Hello and welcome to the first episode of our Be Inspired podcast. My name is Greg Deek and I'm based in the Lupton office or with a Slack group. We're a leading provider of SEI education and care in the UK with multiple sites up and down the country. Um, we're home to 1,800 industry professionals who live and breathe SEN education, care and clinical. We started this podcast to help professionals like you access free training at a time when training budgets are being squeezed. If you want to check out some more of our resources, visit the Be Inspired section for professionals on our website, which can be found at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk. And please remember to share this with anyone who may be interested. Now, each episode will bring you some of the leading experts in SEN education, care, and the clinical sector. Today, I'm joined by Professor Sean Duggan, who is a clinical advisor to Wiverslack Group. Sean's also been the chief executive of the NHS Confederation's Mental Health Network since 2016. Throughout his career, he's been dedicated to raising standards in care and treatment in mental health services and improving the lives of those who use these services and their carers. Sean will be talking to us about mental health and well-being in the workplace and how leaders in care can achieve excellent results for children, young people and staff whilst also prioritising their own mental health. There'll be lots of great practical examples. This is an extremely relevant topic at the minute with staff teams and children returning to schools and workplaces. Now, without any further ado, I'd like to hand you over to Sean. Sean, thank you for joining us today. Good afternoon and thank you very much, Greg, for the introduction. I'm uh, Sean Duggan, as said, and uh, looking forward to this podcast. Um, I've, uh, I'm a mental health nurse by background and managed mental health services for many, many years. Um, and, and a particular interest of mine, I think probably over the last five or six years, has been the mental health well-being of the workplace. Really put a big focus on that, of course, during the pandemic, during covid and uh, the, the lockdown, pressures that staff are under uh, within the education system, within the public sector, and, and, at, and at large. Um, I want to start off with, with saying, so why is mental health well-being in the workplace so important? I think it's one of those things that why wouldn't you focus around this? Why wouldn't you look after the mental health being of, of your work colleagues? Um, and there's no other answer than that. And of course, yes, you would. Um, you'd look after staff. We've got really good expertise and good examples of looking after your staff with physical conditions. If somebody develops a long-term physical condition at work, you know, you would provide um, support for them. You'd make sure they get to their doctor's appointments, etc. And you talk openly about it. So why wouldn't we do the same for mental health? And you, you, you'll all know that there's a, a big uh, push for what we call parity of esteem in the healthcare sector and beyond, certainly in the education as well, which is you give the same value to mental health care as you give to physical health care. So if somebody breaks a leg, goes to casualty, um, they'll get treated, they'll get assessed and treated very quickly. If somebody develops a mental health problem or a child develops a mental health problem, there could be waits of weeks uh, and months to get any proper health service care or social care. And of course, this is not parity of esteem. And also, when you look at how much resources we're putting into physical care as opposed to mental health care, um, the, it's, it's very unequal. So it's also a part of parity of esteem that we would look after somebody's mental health well-being at work. Um, there has been several studies uh, around this 
uh, issue. Um, the, I think the main one was uh, Prime Minister Theresa May, when she was around, she asked Paul Farmer, chief exec of Mind, and a, and a banker to look at the cost of the mental health well-being, poor mental health well-being at work. And they came back with some very uh, important statistics. Deloitte did a big survey and uh, it's about £100 billion per year lost to the economy in the UK. I mean, these are frightening figures. They don't mean a lot. But what it says is that if we don't look after the mental health well-being of our staff and our colleagues, um, productivity uh, plummets, it's very poor, uh, and the cost to the economy is, is really, really quite significant. Um, to, to do this properly, it's a cultural thing. So I, I'm making a plea to uh, team leaders, uh, supervisors, people in managerial positions to take this seriously. The best way to do a, a mental health well-being at work is, is to have at the top of the organisation, uh, to have a commitment to it right at the top of an organisation, any organisation, whether that be a school or whether that be an, an, uh, an organisation like with a Slack or a social care organisation, healthcare organisation. Um, the the, um, the Thriving at Work report that I mentioned earlier, uh, one of the big tips there is to have somebody at the top of the organisation as a mental health wellbeing champion um, because it's all about commitment from the top. And then if that flows through the organisation, we're all wanting to uh, do our bit to help the mental health wellbeing of our colleagues. Um, it, it's, it's good for productivity. It makes people feel good. Um, it's well known that if you if uh, for for good mental health well-being, uh, a good supportive job is one of the best things for you. So there's an interlink here, isn't there? If you if you're at work and you enjoy work, it's good for your mental health. If you've got poor mental health, it's really important that that's addressed in the workplace. So it all links uh, and it all it all re really makes sense. And I think also uh, at the moment with the um, current uh, employment market. Uh, we hear this morning and yesterday, big, a big amount of vacancies across the, the system. So retention is more important than ever. And we know that retention is better if you look after the mental health well-being of your staff. One last thing, um, the, the, when we're looking at this sort of issue like mental health well-being of staff, think about, um, uh, um, think about equality, diversity and inclusion. Make sure that your staff from an LGBT community, uh, staff from racialized communities are very much, there's a focus on it, very much included in anything we do. Because what we found in, in, in experience, that people from, from these protective characteristics, LGBT communities, uh, racialized communities, they can often get left out uh, and equality is not there. So I think we're looking at mental health well-being, make sure that we also focus and, and put some extra focus on uh, people from, from marginalised communities. So um, the first thing is take care of yourself. I mean, the top tips for mental health well-being at work, please look after yourself. And we don't do that enough. Um, I mean, it's one in six workers experience difficulty with anxiety, depression. Insomnia is very common now. One thing that the, uh, the, the pandemic has done is it's put a focus more on insomnia. People aren't sleeping as well as they, they were. That's linked to depression and, and anxiety. Um, and also just the COVID experience of, of um, the, the, the pressures about schools being closed, opened, closed, opened, uh, family pressures, 
people contracting COVID, more sickness, etc. This has added extra pressure, uh, and we need to think about that uh, going forward. Because what we say in, in the, the the physical aspects of COVID is with us now, and we're, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel with vaccinations. The mental health aspect will continue for a little further on. So please bear that in mind as as we uh, look at um, practices for looking after our colleagues with mental health uh, issues at work. Um, there, uh, there are uh, five ways to uh, well-being. Um, these sort of tried and tested five top tips, if you like, for mental health well-being for yourself. And they're all pretty common sense. I'll just go through them. It's connect. You know, I, it, again, during the, the pandemic, because we've been isolated from communities, the importance of all as we want to connect, we want to connect to our friends and family. It is so incredibly important. Our relationships are really important for mental health well-being. Be active, physically active. Um, plenty of advice on, on the internet about um, physical activity, but you'll know, know what you prefer. And even if that's just getting outside and a brisk walk uh, every day, it's really, really helpful. Uh, take notice. Uh, this is about take notice of the present, your surroundings, um, how you're feeling, how other people are feeling, um, what makes you uh, happy during the day, you know, the outside, the great outside. Uh, take notice of all that. Get the right balance between work and uh, pleasure. Uh, it's really important. And uh, included in this is mindfulness. Um, you, you, a lot of you will have heard about mindfulness. It's a good meditation technique to look after your mental health. It's, it is as important as your physical health. And again, mindfulness is a is an um, evidence-based program. There's a whole variety of programs for mindfulness, and the internet is a really good guide for that. Um, learning, keep active and learn new things. Uh, whatever, you know, I'm, I'm in my 60s now, and I, I've been in the NHS for 40-odd for years, but there's no stopping to learning, uh, learning new, new aspects. It's a great way to keep um, mentally active. And I think that the last one is give to others. This is so important. Um, again, it's evidence-based. If you give out, if you're generous with your emotions and you give people time, you're, you're kind to people, you do a good, kind act, you you know, what you get is a return for that. Not only will you get a return for it, because sometimes you don't, <laughs> people won't give you a kind act back, but you feel better for it. It is, it's tried and tested. So give out, give to others. So uh, five, uh, five ways to well-being. Connect, be active, Take notice of the current environment, learning and give to others. Um, I think the, the sort of top practical tips of staying well at work, you know, for, for ourselves and for your colleagues, you know, the importance of lunch breaks, have breaks on the computer, um, organise things for your work colleagues, might be a picnic, it might be an activity. Uh, again, it's about giving out to other people. Uh, take up a ta challenge with work colleagues. There's so much now with people going out for runs and various activities during during the uh, the day. I mean, it is, it is really important. Um, I, I'm really quite shocked about people under a lot of pressure at the moment with, with COVID, particularly in the public sector, and I see it in the private sector as well. Um, you need to take your holidays. Look after your staff to make sure they take their breaks and the holidays. A lot of us aren't doing that at the moment. And I often see leaders saying they're coming into meetings during their holidays. Now, that might be a good thing and it might be important, but... The message that gives out is we don't need our holidays. Now more than ever, we need our holidays and we need a break. And the last sort of tip is, is whistle at work. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's just about a positive outlook in life is infectious. 
and other people will pick up on that if you're happy at work. And, and, I, and I do that as a mantra for me. I try to be happy at work all the time, knowing that people uh, will look to see how I'm feeling. Uh, and, and, and it has, it has a, a knock-on effect. The work-life balance is so incredibly important, and uh, you must have the boundaries between home and work, <clears throat> practical issues there about maybe a small commute, um, do things with your commute, wind down on your, or on, on your commute, uh, but make sure you uh, have a, a, a boundary. It's more difficult, a lot of us working from home now. You know, you sort of slide into to work from the morning and then do you do some work during the evening. Just be very careful with that because you've got to have some downtime. The last point is ask for help. Now, I think we've tackled stigma and discrimination of mental health to a degree. It's not gone, but it's really important. Please take the message from me that it's all right to talk about mental health well-being pressures. And if it isn't all right, then talk to your colleagues about it. Talk to your line managers about it because it really should be. And I know organisations like with us like are taking this very seriously and will want people to speak out about it and ask for help because we can't do anything unless we have that environment, that culture uh, for you. Um, taking care of staff, well, there's been a lot of research in this, and we know that um, Mind, the big mental health charity, has said that a culture of fear and silence around mental health in the workplace is costly uh, and it's damaging to, to the work environment. One in five people called in sick to avoid work because of work, uh, and 14% had uh, resigned because of um, work pressures. 42% felt like resigning when asked about workplace stress and whether it affected them. So, you know, we, we, we've got some issues here. The stigma has been tackled to an extent, but it's not been eradicated. 30% of staff disagreed with the statement. I would feel able to talk to my line manager if I was stressed. So we're still quite away. Now, this is a research undertaken by Mind, um, and uh, it's quite an extensive piece of research. And this, this didn't surprise us. So we've still got away with the stigma. And it's about tackling that. You and your teams, your, well, appeal again to team managers, team leaders, uh, think about this and, and create an environment where people will speak out and feel okay about talking about stresses and anxieties, because most of us uh, you know, are experiencing it. We really are. That, that figure of one in six I said at the beginning, I, I don't, I, I think it's higher than that. And certainly the, during the pandemic, um, a lot of people are feeling de depressed, a bit more depressed, a bit more anxious uh, than, than they were before the pandemic. Uh, and and we, we, uh, all the studies suggest that this may go on for a little while longer. And 56% of employers said they would like to do more, but don't have the training or guidance. So on the one hand, we've got some employers and line managers not knowing really what to do. And on the other hand, we've got a third of people saying don't really want to speak out about it. So we've got to tackle that. And I think, uh, you know, and I, and I know that organizations like with a Slack and others will want to do that. But we can we can do it now because, um, you know, if we if we discriminate against people with mental health problems, it's against the law. Uh, so it is a serious matter and we, and we have to look after people's mental health. Um, so starting up a conversation about uh, mental health, it doesn't have to be difficult. I think the, 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 the real basics of this is just talk to people. And when you say, how are you, mean it, 
you know, that's, I think that's the biggest tip I can give, you know, is we go in in the morning, don't we? We go on Zoom at work. How are you? I mean, it's sort of a habit. Um, but actually listen to people if they say they're not feeling too good at the moment and they've lost something, they've got bereavement or they've got a um, bit more anxiety than, than normal. It, it is normal to talk about this. And uh, uh, that that's the start of it. And I, the message I want to give out is starting a conversation about mental health. It really does not have to be difficult. Um I think um, just to sort of to step back a bit and to take stock, I think uh, the, the a good mental health well-being programs is, is cultural uh, and, 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 it, and it's organisational. So you've got employee experience telling us that actually we need a better culture. We need to address the culture of the organisation. Uh, and this isn't just about large businesses and, and organisations. This is your own schools, your own areas of work. You know, um, and it isn't it isn't difficult. It's really just accepting that we can talk about it and people will suffer from mental health problems and you will listen if that's the case. The leadership style that I think we are, we all know now works uh, and, and we, we improve morale, we improve productivity is compassionate leadership, listening, uh, uh, including staff, empowering staff. Um, and compassionate leadership, rather as perhaps we had done certainly in the health service, it was a bit more command and control. You know, you will do this, and we will ta- make sure that the targets. And if not, then you know people will be in trouble. Those days have gone. It, yeah, of course, we've got a business to run and we've got objectives to meet, but it's about bringing staff with you. So the more we can do about including staff, talking to staff about the new strategies and policies and new ways of working and really bringing staff with you and um, empower staff compassionately, that's the way. That's the culture that we want. And that's what all the research suggests is important. Um, listen to staff, reward staff, build up relationships, and don't forget diversity and inclusion. <clears throat> mental health workplaces it's it's more efficient and productive and more profitable and it enhances the reputation of an employer and it allows your um your duty of care for staff if you are serious about mental health well-being at work so why wouldn't we do it? it's more efficient it's more productive it helps you to be organization to be profitable and staff morale is better um <clears throat> So I think the other few things to, to mention is um, employee engagement. Uh, I've set, said the sort of headlines of that, I think, is whenever we're uh, making some changes at work, it, it really is about taking stuff with you. Uh, COVID has been a particular strain and difficulty for us all. Um, and, and as I say, it has increased the rates of people feeling depression and anxious. And, and we need to promote well-being. Staff, managers and team leaders need to put the importance of well-being. I've talked about mental health well-being, but it goes it goes hand in hand with physical. You know, the, be- the more uh, activity we can get, the better your mental health is. The better your mental health is, the less physical conditions you're going to get. There's an absolute, and again, it's all evidence based. There's uh, there's a relationship, a direct relationship between the two. So it's important to look after your mental health as well as your uh, physical health. Um, <clears throat> and I, I think you know often where People do feel um, stressed and, and anxious at work and, and depressed at work, and research suggests it's, it's about relationships. It's usually about communication. It's usually about poor relationships. And when you drill down into that, it's quite often poor relationship with your manager. And it sort of makes sense, doesn't it? You know, if you've got a poor relationship with your manager, that's going to be pretty hard going to work every day. Um, it's a two-way. Relationships are always two-way. 
I, I would say to staff, don't just think it's the manager's fault. You know, it is about a two-way relationship. How can you, what can you do to help your relationship if it's poor at work? Because there's absolutely a direct link between how you're feeling and your relationships. It's the most important thing. If you have a poor relationship with your manager, of course, we would want your manager to, to do their part to improve it. But you take control uh, as well uh, yourself to try and make that relationship a bit better. And just get uh, a culture where you can talk about mental health well-being. Often people have uh, staff groups and they might have themed uh, activities or themed pieces of uh, issues that are important to the employees at work that include mental health, you know, include, and, uh, you know, you can, you can uh, ask your partnership organisations to help you. You could go to the local mental health trust and see if they would come in and talk about mental health well-being at work or uh, go on the internet and see what uh, what guidance is available. Um, I'll come on to the resources that are available on the internet at the moment, but there is a lot out there. Um, to help you talk talk about well-being at work with your staff. The importance of praise staff um, and, uh, you know, you've got appraisals, you've got half-yearly appraisals, you've got one-to-ones with staff. These are really, really important. Make sure you use them uh, and and you um, think about your st- uh, one-to-one with staff. It's, it's really important. You know, don't get, don't get too much interruptions, you know, turn your phone off, take it seriously, listen to people. It really does matter. So the biggest, the, the, the biggest cost we all think to poor mental health well-being at work is absenteeism. People phoning in sick, getting signed off by the doctor because they've got stress at work. Actually, the biggest problem is presenteeism. And that's a term that we use to give to people that stay at work when they are depressed or anxious, they've got a mental health problem, but they're too frightened to talk about it at work. They're too uncomfortable about raising it as an issue. So they carry on at work with that mental health pressures and their productivity is very poor. When we've totaled that up, when economists have looked at that in the workplace, that's more costly than absenteeism. So there's another reason why this is really important. Um, you know, there, there will be, you will have people that will be suffering from poor mental health at work. Um, and uh, you can, um, you know, and, and it's called presenteeism. You need to, to work on that. Um, I think the, other, the really positive thing about this is that work is a key factor in protecting uh, your mental health. I said this earlier, uh, and again, it's research-based. The one big thing for good um, good mental health well-being is a supportive work environment. It doesn't take much to work that out. You know, we do feel good. If we've got a supportive work environment, we go into work in the morning or we get on the Teams or Zoom now. A lot of us are working from home. And, you, you know, you see people, you've got friendships and relationships. You're asking each other how you are. All that's very naturally uh, builds up your a better uh, self-esteem, better confidence, and better uh, well-being, uh, mental health well-being. Um, and um, workplace and mental health well-being survey identified 86% believe their job uh, and being at work was important to protecting their mental health. So that's 90%. I mean, that's nearly everybody. Um, and, and that's so that so we tried it out with the with um, um, uh, a, 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 a number of people and we researched it. And, and that's what we came up with. And of course, um, it, it is common sense, but I, I'm pleased that we've sort of identified the evidence on that. And I think um, just to uh, close up, um, I want to talk to you about the resources that, that are available, I would recommend 
getting onto Mind's website. They have got a whole program of mental health, well-being, and work. A lot of free resources. I think most of it is free resources. Um, and the Mental Health Foundation have done some studies, another big charity around mental health, well-being at work. Uh, there's an organisation called Mental Health First Aid. Uh, I know with a Slack have got a partnership or, or have done some work with Mental Health First Aid. This is an organisation that will come into your organisation and, and help you train people within the workplace that are, have got a responsibility for the mental health well-being at work. So if somebody is suffering, they might not want to go to their line manager they go to the uh, mental health first aider. Uh, this is a really good program. We, um, my day job is uh, chief executive of the uh, mental health network for the NHS Confederation, and we have mental health first aiders in the workplace, uh, so people will go to them. Uh, and it's outside the line management arrangement, and it's really quite good. A- ACAS have a good part of their website for mental health well-being at work, which is great because it's not a mental health organisation, and they're they're uh, advocating for mental health well-being which I'm really pleased about. And then finally, Heads Together, which is part of the Royal Foundation. It's the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge who have got uh, their own charity, uh, their own foundation around mental health. And one of their big um, priorities is mental health well-being of the workplace. Have a look at that. That's uh, Heads Together, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. Again, a lot of free resources there, uh, which is excellent. So to close up, uh, my summary is value mental health well-being at work. Uh, because it's um, an asset to your core business. Support compassionate and effective line management um, and uh, support disclosure of people with mental health problems. Really important. The biggest cultural change you can make, allow people to talk about their mental health well-being. Value diversity and transferable skills of people with lived experience. What this means is uh, we know in in the health world that if you um, identify people with lived experience of mental health problems, um, if you've got a mental health issue, you're more likely and want to talk to people with a lived experience. And you can add that into your workplace by being open about mental health issues. And if you've got somebody who's been through uh, poor mental health, then actually you'll probably find that people that are starting to suffer from it will feel more able to go and talk to somebody that's lived through that experience. So value that and add add, add it to your programme. So that's the uh, podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Please have a look at those resources I've talked about, and I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sean, and thank you to all our listeners. All the supporting materials um, that were discussed in this podcast will be posted on our website to accompany this recording. This has been episode one. If you like what you hear, check out some of our other resources on our website, which can be found at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk and follow us on our socials on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Goodbye until next time and thank you for joining us.